Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. This is your host, Christina Orlova. Here we will talk about all things OCD. For more information and to contact me with questions, you can go to www.coreresults.com. That's K-O-R-Results.com. Welcome to OCD Whisperer Show, and today I have back with me Jenna Overbauer, who is a licensed professional counselor. She's been treating people with um, OCD and anxiety since 2008. Um, she also is a therapist and OCD, and I am going to put a plug in, not just a therapist, she also does some social uh, media marketing there, like all those cool reels, if you've seen on her Instagram or on NOCD's Instagram, that's all because of her. So welcome to the show, my dear. Awesome. I'm so happy to be back here with you. It feels so good. This is going to be a good, good discussion. Absolutely. So um, I wanted to get you here because one, I want people to, because I'm going to put this up on, um, you know, iTunes and all the podcast stuff and my my YouTube channel so that everybody can actually see us and, and listen to this live discussion about um, today. The topic is going to be examples of kind of non-conventional relationship OCD. I, I think as we all know, when we hear about different subtypes or topics or themes, we hear about relationship OCD as one big one. And generally, like it's the romantic. That's kind of what we know. But but you recently did a talk at IOCDF, sounds like, and um, covered this kind of different angles. And I thought this would be so awesome to kind of, you know, get this out to more people um, to talk a little bit about that. So if you can tell us a little bit about kind of your your understanding and notion and, and kind of what are some of the things you're seeing that need to be separated and understood differently? Absolutely. So this all came to me. I was listening to a discussion from one of my OCD quote unquote gurus. And I don't I don't know who it was. I refuse, you'll see why I refused to go back and watch it. Um because I didn't want it to like taint my view of them. But it was about, this person was speaking about relationship OCD and doing a big talk on relationship OCD. And at the end of the talk, I raised my hand and I said, well, what, what are, what's your opinion? Or, you know, how would you modify any of this uh, when, it can, when it comes to non-conventional, re- you know, relationships, not just romantic or, you know, husband and wife or, you know, boyfriend and boyfriend or girlfriend and girlfriend, whatever. Like, how would you modify this to be about friends or children? Um, and the person, and again, I did not go back and and see who it was, um, but it was someone I really respected and looked up to, which is why I felt so fiercely, like strangely confused. Um, but this person said, if it doesn't have to do with the romantic partner, and if the OCD is about something else, then it wouldn't be OCD. It would be some other thing going on. I I can't remember if the person said that maybe it would be like a personality disorder or just like Mm. an adjustment disorder or generalized anxiety disorder. And, and what I wanted to say in that moment was why, like, why, what is your rationale for that? Mm. Um, and I wasn't courageous enough at the time to say that, but eventually I did become courageous enough and I wanted to make it into this awesome presentation at the international OCD foundation conference, which we just presented. And it was one of the best presentations of the whole weekend. It was really well attended. Um, we got so much great feedback for it. And I had so many people coming up to me afterwards, just in tears. Like I've always wanted a name for this, but no one could ever give it to me. Um, I finally feel seen for the first time. Um, And it just really all came down to, you know, when we look up the definition of relationship, if you look on like Webster's dictionary or dictionary.com, 
all of these definitions have really broad and more general definitions of whom or with what you can have a relationship with, right? Mm. It's between something and something else. It's between either two items or two people or two objects, right? And so um, I was like, okay, this is all great. Um, it's all very general. Uh, even giving examples of things like with your uncle, you can have a relationship with your pet. Mm-hmm. Then I go to, well, where would someone, when they first realize they have OCD or they start to, you know, they resonate with something and they think that they might have it, where would they go? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, they probably would go to just like a random Google search, right? Like WebMD, yep. or yep. they would probably go to the IOCDF website. You know, like IOCDF is obviously yep. reputable, WebMD, not so much, but that's where people would go. And mm-hmm. so I went there and both of those websites, they only reference romantic relationships mm. in the definition and in the examples that they give. So even the International OCD Foundation, you know, one of the most reputable sources that any of us would very willingly give out, three of the three vignettes that they give are all about romantic relationships. And so that really presented an issue with me. Like our definition of relationship is this more general broad term. But when we come to relationship OCD, it's only about romantic relationships. And that just didn't seem right to me, especially because as you know, and as so many professionals, you know, who work with OCD know, like at the end of the day, the content is, is irrelevant, right? It's not about the relationship. It's about doubt. Um, And so, yeah, I just really wanted to say why, like, why would it not be about other relationships? So yeah, just went into a deep dive about that and here to tell people that it can be about any relationship. It can be about anything, including your pets, your mailman, the cashier that you, that checked you out at the store today, your, your child, your parents, it does not just have to be about your romantic partner. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I'm glad you just gave some of those examples because that that's even broader, right? I, I think sometimes people kind of understood the notion like, okay, maybe it's, it's might, if it's not a romantic one, but maybe it could be a friend or a family member, but can you actually give us some more examples um, just for anybody listening so they can kind of see, see what, what are those other definitions that you were bringing up? So like, what, like how might this present itself? How might somebody, you know, kind of see it if, if they didn't know, um, what kind of things would they be looking for? Yeah. So when we talk about relationship OCD, and again, in a lot of these sources, it's about romantic relationship, but if we can just eliminate that word, a lot of times romantic uh, relationship OCD can be just about that person, right? Like, um, is that person good enough for me? Is that person X enough for me? Was that person, uh, did that person get me a, a good enough gift, right? Or whatever, right? Like just this doubt and this obs- obsessiveness and this ritualistic and compulsive uh, behavioral way of kind of trying to be certain about the integrity of some type of relationship or the integrity of some type of person. Um, so the word integrity comes to my mind a lot and was often referenced in a lot of these definitions. So the integrity of the person or an integrity of the relationship itself. Um, but it doesn't have to just be about that person, right? It can be about the integrity of the relationship. So, um, you know, parent and child often comes to mind as an example, right? Like, is the, is the quality of our relationship good enough? Like, are we spending enough quality time together? Do they love me enough? Right. Like, do I love this child enough? Um, like, is there enough integrity, enough love, enough, whatever. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I've worked with so many people, for instance, who adopted a dog and, and suddenly it's like, yeah, they might've had romantic relationship OCD as well, but now they have this new dog, right. And they're suddenly 
you know, really feeling really responsible for this dog. They really value this dog. They really feel like it's very important. And so they start to latch on to the integrity of that relationship, right? Like, am I taking my dog out enough? Am I making my dog happy enough? Am I a good enough dog owner? Um, so yeah, I mean, it can come up in so many different ways, even in the, in the audience at the IOCDF, so many people were giving us examples of like, you know, they often feel like OCD often does, right? It's like the whack-a-mole, you know, I will, I will obsess about my dog and then I'll obsess about my child and then I'll obsess yes. about the mailman. And it's like, if your overarching general generic theme is the integrity of your relationships, it doesn't just have to be about the romantic relationships. It can come out in any way, in any way that you're giving it attention, any way that you're giving that attention or compulsing through it, um, any relationship that you value or feel really responsible for um, and that you can't tolerate uncertainty about its integrity, that's where OCD is probably going to pop up. Yeah. I mean, even as you're talking, it just makes you think about, you know, in general, if, if we kind of reflect on this, I mean, we, we are in relationship to everything around us mm-hmm. um, and, and, and literally everything. <laughs> so, um, okay. Did you have any... I'm just curious, like, is there a different way you might consider defining this? Um, I know sometimes there's conversations about, you know, themes or subtypes or not even subtyping with theming it, just understanding general OCD um, and how it works and that it attaches to everything and anything, um, especially things you really care a lot about. Um, but is there any any kind of thought like that that you've had about, like, what, what would be a name change or would, would you think there there should be a name change? I mean, I, I like the concept of relationship OCD. I think that we just need to give more examples, you Mm. know, like on websites or on podcasts or whatever. Um, and, and I think it comes down to people sharing their own experiences too, right? Like it's with OCD, it's always like what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Like did more people start to talk about that subtype? And so more people started to talk about their subtypes that they were experiencing too. Um, and so then more people started to talk about their, like, it's like, we don't, we don't know kind of where it starts. And and I, I, I hope that people start to feel more comfortable, right? Like, Oh, you know, like I, I read, or I heard that it doesn't have to just be about romantic relationship OCD. So now I'm going to be honest with my therapist or with my support group that I do also have obsessions about my cat because I heard that that's a thing. And now I feel validated and like, I have a home and like, I'm not crazy. Um, and then as that person speaks up, right, maybe someone else will speak up too. Um, so I think the relationship OCD is where it's at, right? Like, I, I think that that is the term for it. I think we just need to be one, like as a, as people who have OCD, I think we need to realize that this is another OCD's trick, right? Like it's not just the romantic partners to feel empowered to yes identify that that's just OCD as well. It's no different really from the romantic version of that. It's just a different relationship, the same monster, different mask. But as professionals, I think we also need to broaden, right? Like when we go into working with someone and they have relationship OCD or, you know, they are presenting with, you know, what they say or what we call, you know, relationship OCD. I think we also need to look at other relationships. We need to look at core fears. Um, I think that's probably the biggest message is to not uh, underestimate the importance of discussing those core fears. So I was working with someone who had pretty straightforward, what you would call romantic relationship OCD. um, And it came out in the form of like, I'm afraid that, you know, if I'm with this person, I'm going to be 80 years old and I'm going to regret it. And I'm going to have to sit with that feeling of regret and guilt um, over the decisions that I made. 
And it ended up being that, oh, that, that feeling of regret and guilt and that fear of that, like that was present in her life in so many different ways. Like she wanted to go for a trip with her friends, but she was fearful that she would do something that she regretted. She wanted to get a tattoo, but she was afraid of the commitment and that she would regret it. And so, um, Mm. Then we started to talk more broadly about like the fear here is actually that feeling of regret. That fear here is actually that core fear that you're going to make a bad decision and not be able to cope with it. It's not actually as much about the relationship as you thought that it was. And I think that's a really helpful um, discussion that we as professionals need to be having about core fears because that's then the exposures that we need to do, right? Like we need to put these people in opportunities where they can sit with their core fears and, and realize that, you know, they don't need to do all these rituals in order to protect themselves from that. Yeah. I think, I mean, even as you're talking, I think it's a really great point that sometimes going back to what you said earlier, right? If we, if, if you're researching and you read only kind of this definition then that's kind of what you're going to be looking for. So if things don't line up in that way, you're, you're going to miss some of the stuff and think that something else is going on or, or you, I mean, you can easily just misattribute it uh, versus when you, what you just did, right. When you broaden that definition and you kind of look again, you start to realize, Oh yeah, wait a minute. This is a similar pattern or theme that's showing up in how I can now catch it. Um, and you're right. Right. And it kind of adjust your ERP practice to actually address that bigger, broader, uh, fear sounds like right, and I think it. I think when we do that, when we think more broadly, and we um, are just a little bit more strategic and a little bit less narrowed in on like the content of OCD, right? Like we start to realize all the other ways that this this core fear is infiltrating their day to day living, and we come up with the right exposures. And then when we do that, we can help people with that awful problem, which is OCD playing whack a mole, right? So. You know, if we look at this just from like the romantic relationship OCD perspective, right? Like someone does present with relationship OCD. Let's say someone does have some obsessions and compulsions about their partner, you know, their romantic partner, but they also have obsessions and compulsions about their mom or obsessions and compulsions about their coworkers and similar obsessions and compulsions about the dog that they just adopted, right? If we are only talking about the romantic partner and the romantic obsessions and romantic compulsions and that in that, you know, context, that person might extinguish the fear when it comes to that romantic partner. They might extinguish that fear that, oh, that person may not be 100% for me, so on and so forth. But what's going to happen to all those other fears, right? Like that person right. is just going to continue to obsess and compulse over these other relationships. So that's why I really love to work with the core fears, because then we can identify like, what is the common thread that kind of links all of these things together? Is it guilt? Is it fear of regret? Is it fear of abandonment? Like, is it fear of being uncomfortable forever? Um, fear of being alone? And then once we kind of see, oh, it's it's the, the common thread of that is that I will be responsible for harming someone and I can't possibly live with that, right? And that's the thing with my romantic partner. That's how I feel about my mom. That's how I feel about my hamster, my cat or whatever. Then you can actually do exposures to that put yourself in opportunities where, yeah, like you may be responsible for something and you may have to live with that. Um, but let's just kind of see what happens. You know, then we kind of meet OCD where it's at and we, you know, can kind of stop that whack-a-mole game that is so debilitating for people. Absolutely. No, I love that. Exactly right. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that's kind of at least what I talk a lot about is is picking up on the themes, right? Because things can be are very thematic in OCD. And when you kind of step back more and, and look globally, 
Exactly. Like what is that common thread? What is that piece? But I, I love that. I love that uh, um, whole concept of um, just getting a broader definition so that more people can recognize the pattern and not not think, oh, well, it doesn't fit in this here, so it must not be that. Because I think that's another thing I hear quite often is, you know, like we, we know in the common media, people know about what, oh, wiping my hands or uh, lining things up, right? P- people don't recognize or know often all the different ways that OCD can manifest. Um, and so, you know, you go for eons, it feels like, you know, without fully getting treatment or really understanding what's happening to you. Um, so absolutely. I think the more that we can broaden, the more that we can discuss all the different ways and iterations of how it actually shows up and, and what's kind of the bottom line, like you said, right. It's at the end, like you have a lot of doubts. And so, you know, you get really triggered in that way. So looking at how does it show up in any and all different environments and places and what's that common thread. Um, and then yeah. really addressing that because then you're right, that will bypass the whole whack-a-mole experience where it's just like you know one topic after the other it's like no underneath all those topics though what's actually driving all of that mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I um someone a gentleman you know we were done with our presentation we had given all the examples that we talked about here including a bunch of other ones and someone had raised their hand and they mentioned you know I have the type of OCD where I have doubts about my mailman. I have doubts about the cashier who just checked me out. I have doubts about my dog. I have doubts about this. And I wish that type was OC of OCD you covered in this presentation. And I was like, I, you might not think that we covered it, but we did cover it. Right. Like, yeah. it, like it's, <laughs> we did cover it. Right. Like it, it's here and, and you are here, like just because it's bouncing around to a bunch of different people. And it's not just one of those non-conventional relationships. Like you are here. And that was the whole part, that was the whole like message of the presentation, which is that like, you know, as much as we probably can do without the themes and the subtypes from time to time, like they do serve a benefit. They give people a home. They give people that sense of validation and that sense of community, you know, like, you know, yeah. I, oh, I struggle with that too. Oh, I struggle with hit and run OCD too. Or I have pure O too. Oh my gosh. Like me too. And we know that with OCD, it's already so incredibly isolating. And so when you know that someone else is going through what you're going through and that you're not the only one, it lifts that in a way that like no other intervention can. Like it, it makes you feel like you're not alone. It reminds you that you're not going crazy or whatever. Um, and so, you know, I always feel for those individuals who don't feel like they fit like really nicely into a mold or don't feel like they fit really nicely into a subtype. And so, um, I wanted them to know and I want everyone who's listening now to know like that you do have a home, like just because you don't fit into one of these like subtypes, um, you know, subtypes are there for, for that sense of community. And obviously they give us some little bits of clinical information, but at the end of the day, it's the doubt disorder. And, um, you know, if you look back at any of the old school assessments for OCD, they didn't have relationship OCD on there. They didn't have sexual orientation OCD on there. They didn't have hit and run OCD on there. It's not that those, it's not that those thoughts didn't exist and that they just started popping up within the past five or seven years. They were always there. People were always experiencing those thoughts. They just didn't talk about it. You know, not enough people were talking about it. Um, and so if there's people out there who feel like they don't belong, I guarantee you probably in 10 years, there will be a name for you too. Um, but it doesn't mean that you're, you don't have a home. It doesn't mean that you don't belong into the OCD community. 
Um, and even if you just have, you know, if, even if you have obsessions and compulsions, but it doesn't fit into what you've known to be the romantic relationship OCD definition, you definitely still have a home here and ERP and, you know, all these other evidence-based strategies can still be really helpful for you. hundred percent. I love all of that. And I think that's exactly right. I, th- I think as we keep evolving, we're, we're recognizing that, like you said, naming it and being able to have that, that you can actually kind of have something like you said, like a basic, an anchor. It really does help. Like it, it does tremendously. Uh, but I also think you're you're right in terms of like, especially with this particular one, um, like really expanding it. That relationship of CD is really about the relationship. Like that's actually the focus, not the not intimacy. Like that's just one way you relate. There's so many different. Like like we were just talking about, like you said, from the mailman to a friend to your pet to you know whatever. Like it, so, just recognizing the the relating component is the piece here, right? And and that doubt that you're having around any which ways that it shows up with, with whoever. It doesn't have to always be intimate partner. And, it, and, it, and, you know, some people would say, you know, oh, well, those obsessions that you have about your mailman, that's harm OCD. That's not relationship. It's like, it doesn't, well, does it matter? Like, it doesn't matter, right? Like there's often going to be some overlap when we talk exactly. about things, right? Like, you know, and in some ways you could say that people pleasing is related to, is like a harm OCD thing, right? Because you don't want to harm their emotional state or not. Like it, it doesn't even matter, right? Like it's all semantics. Um, and yeah, like I, I just hope everyone out there feels like we have a home and they can think both professionals and people who have OCD. I think that we all need to think more broadly um, and not be so like constricted in our um understanding or like our net, like we have to have a bigger net, um, I guess is what I'm trying to say so that we can actually like open our eyes to, Oh, there's, there's, uh, feelings of regret over here in that relationship too. And, you know, they're also really worried about the integrity or the quality of that relationship too. It's not just with their boyfriend, like it, it, it's coming up with their coworkers too. Like, let's talk about that and let's, let's not overemphasize the importance of that those obsessions with just that romantic relationship, because I feel like, especially with relationship OCD in the romantic sense, like people have these spikes of, Oh, well, this must mean that something's wrong with my boyfriend, or this must mean that something's wrong with our romantic relationship because I have these thoughts. And it's like, if you can actually see that those patterns exist in probably other ways in your life too, it's easier to kind of unhook and disengage from the content that's over here. That's really, really distressing. Absolutely. Beautifully said. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate you taking the time and coming on again and, and covering this topic. I mean, there's a lot in there. OCD is very nuanced, but like you said, pulling back, looking globally, understanding the, the patterns and then addressing it so that you can actually unhook with more ease. Um, how can people find you? Awesome. Yeah. So I am, like you said, I am over on Instagram quite a bit. That's usually where I hang out. Um, so I'm at jenna.overbaugh. Um, but I'm also, you know, I do a lot for no CD. So you can find me over there too at treat my OCD on Instagram. Um, and yeah, make sure you download our free app, treat my OCD app. I'm on there as well, quite a bit. Um, and I have my own podcast as well, which you have my best episode, my, my <laughs> best, my top played, like most frequently played episode is with you. Oh, interesting. So, That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, foreshadowing, maybe we should do another one together. Maybe we should. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's always so much fun to chat with you. Absolutely. Thanks. All right, dear. Bye. Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer podcast. If you have any questions you want me to answer in future podcasts, 
or any other comments, you can go to coreresults.com backslash contact backslash. That's coreresults, K-O-R-R-E-S-U-L-T-S dot com backslash contact.